Although, you know, I, w- I was thinking about something recently. I listen to podcasts usually on one and a half times speed just to, like, be more efficient. Whoa. But, okay. like, if people do that for our podcast, it's kind of appropriate because it's the power metal one. It's supposed to be fast and higher pitched and all that. Oh, my gosh. Also, when are you, you saying we should recommend people listen to us at one and a half times speed? <laughs> I'm not not saying that. <laughs> and then our our actual runtime is an hour? Allegedly. Okay, so I guess we're doing it right then. So, like listeners, you have the option of listening to us at one and a half speed to make the podcast the ideal length of an hour. Great or suggestion. Or double speed for the true for fans. More powerful. Sup, nerds? Welcome to episode eight of Powerful, a power metal podcast where you take a break from listening to power metal by listening to people talk about power metal. This is Four Gates, and I'm here with my friends ZeldaFan355. Hello there. Larry Biscuit. Hello there. And Darko. Hello there. You guys are copying me. You guys, you guys said the same response. And also, I don't know if I introduce y'all in the same order each time, but I try to switch it up for equality reasons. <laughs> anyway. We appreciate today, that. Today, we are going to have a discussion about power metal. Wow, no way. And more specifically, we're going to talk about accessible or entry-level power metal bands versus bands that are harder to get into and the popularity of power metal in the Western Hemisphere, because that is where we live. But before we get into that, we've got some news for you. So first up on our news docket is Dragon Force is releasing a remastered version of the Power Within called Repowered Within. Wonderful uh, title. Fan, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, we've got a quote here from Herman Lee himself. He says, I love how Repowered Within has turned out. We remix and remaster the original music with a more modern production in the vein of our last two releases. The result is a clearer, more powerful sound. The fans will get to hear the music in better detail, bringing out parts they couldn't hear so well before, and injecting new excitement into the songs we love even more now. Thank you, Herman Lee. But they came up with a really dumb name. So, is it powerful? Is it not? But there's a cool new art. I mean, it looks the same. It's just like it's the same. It has the same awkward dude. like yeah. DF, but also a P logo. Yeah, it's but a it's also P. like on fire okay instead of powerful. It's on like a it's on like a blast door now though, because okay. there's so many blast beats on the other side of that door. Oh, they gotta snaps. protect us. <laughs> I feel like it's a weird choice for a remaster, like. Power Within, I thought, sounded fine. Yeah. And it was in 2012. It wasn't like this thing was from 1978. Yeah, more modern production. Like, come on, guys. Oh, my God. It was like your fifth album. Darko, can you explain what it means for an album to get remastered? Okay, so remastering means that you take an album that is already mixed, already recorded and mixed, and you just repeat the process that turns the mix into a final thing that you can press into CDs and that can mean um, the compression like how loud it will sound and if if it's badly mastered it will be annoyingly loud and it might have distortion or whatever 
or it might be too quiet and you can maybe balance some stuff like uh, bringing uh, the high end a bit more or the low end a bit more but it generally is not like an in-depth process of reworking but in this case they also say that they remixed the album that means they hmm. took the original recordings they did and started from scratch with that which is a lot of more a lot more work and that can have a greater impact on how it sounds like putting the bass drum more up front or making the lead guitars more centered instead of to the left and right or stuff like that maybe just muting some tracks who knows yeah the power within uh, had some like more subtle elements the keyboards were sometimes kind of hard to hear there were even like harsh vocals in the background of a couple of songs i wonder if they'll bring that out more yeah do you think like a regular person would be able to notice these changes yeah like if they do <laughs> okay if they do something like i remember that when they were recording the power theme within at, at the point they had a guest vocalist which was uh, female vocals. Mm, oh. I remember seeing that in the process when they were recording. I don't remember which song, but I didn't hear that in the album at any point. <laughs> no, I, I've listened to Power Within quite a few times, and there's no female vocals on it to my recollection. Uh huh. Maybe it's I hidden remember, in the background. <laughs> I remember that when they were recording, there were some pictures, and they were talking about that. So it's like um, there are many elements that are lost. Like you can tell uh, if you all heard the track... Um, the one that is recorded like a live rehearsal instead of a full studio song, uh, the version of, I can't remember the name. <laughs> nah, Cry Thunder, nah, maybe? Nah, 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 nah. Yeah, Cry Thunder. <laughs> that one. Nice. So, yeah, if you... that, was, that was pretty good, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm bad with names. So you can hear the, the live version of Cry Thunder as opposed to the full studio version. And you can tell it's a lot less um, crowded with stuff okay and everything's a bit more clear and space so maybe maybe it can be an improvement but to be honest it wasn't really bad sounding i don't know if it if it was worth right i don't this expect work. this to be nearly as big of a jump as the remaster of valley of the damned was back in yeah. what 2010 yeah like that album went from like all right to like wow this actually sounds good yeah like this there wasn't anything bad with this one like i, I wouldn't have imagine why, why would they do this but if it i have no idea if it's better <laughs> all right <laughs> maybe herman and sam found something wrong with it but nonetheless I, it might be cool for like audio geeks to try to see if they can notice any improvements but anyway any hardcore dragon force fans may 4th dragon force repowered within with a new flaming Dragon Force logo. <laughs> and Blast Doors. And Blast Doors, because that's very cool. So our next news item is also very cool. Uh, Power Wolf is announcing a new album called The Sacrament of Sin. Larry, do you want to talk about that one? You heard it here first, guys. Uh, Forge is called <laughs> Power Wolf Cool. Um, the artwork is cool. Uh, the art is super cool. It's like a it's like a werewolf puppet master puppeting oh my God, like so Moses or something, <laughs> and the devil. It's like it's like Moses and some weirdo demon. Oh wow! Um, it's got cool art. Uh, it's got twelve tracks. There's a there's a couple 
that you've probably heard before in other Power Wolf tracks, such as Fire and Forgive, and Venom of Venus, and Fist by Fist, slash Sacralize or Strike. They really have they have a theme to their, <laughs> to their yeah, song. They really got a like song name theme. Alliteration. Oh my blank gosh. Blank and blank is is Power Wolf in a nutshell. Preferably with the same letter. I'm really looking forward to Demons Are a Girl's Best Friend. I'm looking forward to track six, uh, Stoskabet, because it's different. What does that mean? I have no idea. Okay, I guess we'll find out from Power Wolf. Do you have a release date for this thing? Um, couldn't find one. Okay, so anyway, Power Wolf fans, look out this for year. the Sacrament of Sin later this year. And this year, meaning 2018, in case you're listening to this in the future. And we're also in April, in case you're listening to this in the further future. Speaking of more stuff going on in the future, Ailstorm and Gloryhammer are doing a North America tour, or is it just U.S.? It looks like it's just U.S. It's North America with a little bit of Canada. Where's the Canada? All I see is North America dates. Wait, wait, wait. I think Canada is in North America. They're in Ontario. <gasps> Toronto! There's one. I found no, one. <laughs> yeah, Toronto, I think there's Ontario. a Danforth Music Hall. Danforth Music Hall, September 22nd. Elstrom Glorhammer, Toronto. Sorry, Canadians. You guys only have one date in Toronto. <laughs> the rest are in the United States. Yeah. Anyway... This is an exciting announcement, yes. I would love to tell you more about this. Or actually, yes. I'm going to put it in Glory Hammer's own words. Do it. Mighty warriors of the North American <laughs> Nebula Cluster, the time has come for the Hootsman to reclaim his kingdom. In September, Glory Hammer will be embarking on an epic quest across the United States and Canada supporting Ailstorm. Are you ready to join us in this battle? For the eternal glory of Dundee, Illinois. Wow. Yep. You mean Isn't United a... States and Toronto? Well, they also commented that on their own uh, press release. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's also a tour with Ailstorm and Gloryhammer around the USA and a tiny bit of Canada, and still we have the audacity to call it a North American tour. How do you like that? Thank you, Ailstorm. At least Ailstorm is honest. They're self-aware. Isn't the uh, the Hootsman from, from California? He is. The Hollywood Hootsman, the King of California. I, yeah. I love that song. <laughs> He's gonna take over and take it. Is is Schwarzenegger still your governor? No. Uh, no. Well, <laughs> hasn't been for a Never while. Mind. Never mind. <laughs> he signed my college diploma. <laughs> Did he? Oh, I'm jealous. I might have just like dated myself. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> but this this is cool. They they kick it off with the Prague Power Show for their Glory Hammers debut, and then they're on tour for like another month after that. All right. Well, let's hope everyone's I, visas go just fine this time around. Yeah, they had issues with that last time. I'm not really sure how Chris plans to survive uh, this tour, having to do two shows every night. Yeah, I think Gloryhammer is supposed to play first because Ailstorm is more famous or something. Yeah, they said there's Gloryhammer is a support band, so I guess yeah. he starts off just you know chilling on the keyboards. Lots mm-hmm. of beer is the answer. Oh my gosh, that sounds like <laughs> a bad idea. Especially because he has to sing for Ailstorm. He doesn't really sing for Ailstorm. He just kind of like yells a lot. But that's still, that's still you know, very taxing. And it's still very, vocals. It's very technically challenging on a vocalist. <laughs> I think he might just like get some cloaked uh, individual to play keyboards for Glory Hammer. 
The rumored like fake Chris? It. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the one that he neither confirms nor denies. Fake Chris. Yeah. Her first. Yeah, shout-outs to fake Chris. Shout-outs to real Chris. Uh, if you are fans of Ailstorm and Gloryhammer and you are American, you are in luck. If you're Canadian, uh, let's hope that you are near to Toronto. <laughs> or to America. Or America. Some parts of America. Personally, I might go see them twice. Anyone else? Well, yeah, Anyone else we're, here? We're checking them out at Prague Power this year, and that, that should be a lot of fun. Yeah. So, next... if, if if I'm really impressed, I'll I'll go see them a week later. <laughs> Literally a week later for me. Seven days. I I, I don't think I will. <laughs> I'm good, you guys. Party pooper. <laughs> Some of my real life friends like Glory Hammer, so I might go with them. Oh, you have friends that like Glory Hammer or power metal in general? I don't. Yeah. Please, yeah. Please be my friend. <laughs> <laughs> very lonely oh come on we're all friends we're all your friends for oh thanks friends through the internet friends till the end speaking of the the end end. (laughs) oh Uh, the transitions are back folks speaking of the end eternity's end has a new album eternity's ends new album announcement called unyielding so eternity's end looks like it's a essentially a super group um, so they've they just announced on April second, twenty eighteen, that they're working on a new second album, Unyielding, and there's no date announced yet. But Eternities and uh, released The Fire Within in twenty sixteen, and I would describe it as a technical neoclassical speed power metal, if that is helpful to anyone at all. Yeah, that's that's more or less it. <laughs> Is that helpful? Yeah, because it's just like hella fast guitars, hella fast drums, and if you're into that, you should check it out. Like I thought it was a really cool album. And yeah, I, I think like the coolest debut. part about this um, band is that the guitarist has a technical death metal background. So um, he's also a guitarist for First Fragment and Cathelicist. I don't know. They had... The list, maybe. It'll be in the show notes. I'm more familiar with them than First Fragment, but they are really impressive as well. Yeah. And also the vocalist is um, the guy from from Hebria. Oh, yeah. Mike LaPond. They're bringing on Yuri Sanson as their vocalist for the second album. And I best know him from Hybrias or Hybrias uh, Defying the Rules album. Yeah. Which is this really is a sick. This is super group, dudes. And it says it's produced uh, by Piet Silk. Silk. I'm sorry. From Iron Savior and formerly from Savage Circus. So. This oh, is yeah, pretty, it's cool. Yeah, this is going to be pretty sick. Um, check out. Be on the lookout for Attorneys and Unyielding. Michael Pond's cool. That'll be later this year. It says it's set to be mixed and mastered in September. Oh, yes. Oh, so that's probably not this year. Mixed and mastered. The release is going to be like after End that, of the year, hopefully. hopefully. If nothing goes wrong. <laughs> but, you know, I don't believe it until I hear a single or something. <laughs> Alright, so that concludes our real news section. So we're going to move on to 
our Ooh. biscuit rubbers section. Fake news. Oh, boy. Larry Biscuit so, fake, fake news, news corner. Take can it away. Can, can we insert a disclaimer before before we let we set Larry loose? So in this part, this is all just rumors that we found through Facebook, through unconfirmed sources. So if they actually turn out to be true, you heard it here first on Powerful, a Power Metal podcast. If it's not true, we had nothing to do Corollary with it. Corollary to that, all of my fake news has been true so far. So so you heard it here first on Powerful. Listen at your own risk, but I have yeah. a track history of correct rumors. Can we fact check that? Uh, yeah, so disclaimer begins now. Go, Larry. Uh, Norwegian metal band Conception is working on a comeback reunion thing with their original lineup. And some dude in Norway in, I forgot how to look up how to pronounce this, Giovic? The O has like a slash uh, through it. Close enough. Sorry, Norwegian listeners. G-J-O slash V-I-K. Some dude is walking around and he was at near the venue where they were rehearsing for some reason. And he goes up and he takes some crappy phone video and it sounds like metal. But you know, you know what else it sounds like? What? Sounds like Roy Khan. What? No way. No. No, I don't retired, believe it. Retired Roy Khan. I don't believe it. So I thought Roy Khan ascended to the astral plane. Uh, he would have ascended <laughs> to heaven, not to the astral plane. Close enough. Um, <laughs> but no, Roy Khan still alive in Norway potentially. Well, singing yeah, for he's conception. still alive. He's like a family man, like enjoy a good life, like volunteer at his church. He had like a Christian song come out on April Fool's Day too, but what? It was probably unrelated to April Fool's. It was. Day. It was it's Easter. Easter. Oh, oh man. Easter was April Fool's Day this year. It was also God April Fool's Day. So also, uh, Orthodox Easter was like today or something. So okay. What? I don't know what that means, but okay, that's cool. Eastern this, Orthodox has a different this Easter. Conception reunion sounds like a load of bull. Some guy walked by somewhere hey man there's a video okay okay and it I sounds we'll kind of like roy <laughs> we'll have it in the show notes it's also crappy phone video but it sounds kind of like roy this is a load of bullshit <laughs> but no one's no one's been able to reach out to the band to confirm uh our source being scream magazine oh, how long has okay. it been since conception was a thing because that was like roy's gig before camelot yes in like the 90s yes uh, a very long time. I don't have the gears, but I don't know. It would be pretty cool if they if they reunited. They broke up in '97. Yeah. Jesus, it's twenty years. '98. No, twenty years ago. Also, they came back in 2005, but didn't actually release anything. Okay. I think people are just really desperate to have Roy Khan come back to metal. We just believe anything. I like Roy. Roy yeah. sounds pretty good. I think it's all. I mean, like. I don't know if you might just be hearing what you want to hear, which is Roy Khan's voice. And it might just be like some other like guy with a rich, warm, semi-operatic sound singing. It could be that Greek dude from Sunburst. Yeah. Who is somehow, for some reason, in Norway. <laughs> I know, but they reunited in 2005 for a Prague Power show, actually. So maybe. Conception? Yeah. With Roy? Maybe, yeah, with Roy. Oh, yeah, he was still, like, in Camelot back then. Oh, interesting. So maybe next okay. year we get Conception with Roy again at Prague Power 2019. 
Hmm, That's an okay. unsubstantiated rumor with no proof. This though. is completely made up. But if it turns out to be true, you heard it here first on Powerful, a power metal podcast. <laughs> yeah, next year we're also going to get a Lost Horizon reunion with uh, Daniel yep. Hyman. My yep, God, Lost you're... Horizon. All right, you guys, you guys are out of control now. All right, well, I'll, I'll okay. stop. The... And so... uh, the hel- the Halloween thing is going to keep going. <laughs> okay, so now. <laughs> Now well, we are going to end. We just will continue <laughs> opening for Halloween reunion. Opening for Halloween reunion? Why in not North the other America. way around? In, North, in North, America. North America. North and South America and Australia. Shout out to any Australian Portland, listeners. They will play all those towns that they never go to. <laughs> all the towns. All the, not cities. Also, towns. anger reunites. Original anger. <gasps> with Original with anger. Andre Matos. <laughs> Fabio and... goes back to Rhapsody. Anger comes back to itself. <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah, so it's 2003 now all ends, over again. Now ends our rumors section. All of this is not true. If it is true, um, if it is true, we'd like to think that we helped all power metal fans. We did our part. In in this new in this newly revised timeline. Okay, so thank you for listening to our rumors section. Um, If you want to hear more of that, and if you want to hear more recaps, reviews, and other talk of power metal-related topics, you can find our previous episodes at powerfulpodcast.simplecast.fm, and you can also find all our other episodes on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I just want to thank Blind Guardian for giving us a shout out on their Facebook page. And thank you, Blind Guardian social media manager, for listening to us. And I also want to say hello to all the new listeners that might have found us through their shout out. And also, if you want more fun stuff, find us on Instagram at Powerful Podcast. Um, you'll find a lot of bad drawings of album covers and other weird shit. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about our main topic. So today we wanted to talk about uh, we want to talk about what makes music accessible. So what do you guys think accessible means in terms of music? Well, that's it's a broad <laughs> question. Like what makes us that's hard, but what makes okay, like what that's... makes a song easy to listen to? Let's just say you're like a random dude or girl or person in like a car and you hear a song what makes that song nice to listen to well, catchy choruses the hook catchy choruses we love hook. catchy choruses simple chord progression something that you can just sing along instantly that you don't need to listen to it again just to to sing the hook like okay you just, you're just listening to the song and the chorus comes the first time and you're hey that's interesting and that's- on the Chorus comes back again the second time. You're just like, I want to set the universe on fire. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah, shout outs to, like, Chris songwriting in Glory Hammer. Like, those choruses are are sick. Amazing. I think there's a, there's a reason Very he starts well off every song with the chorus on uh, 1992. Yeah. I think people just respond to that. Some people uh- say Chris is like a huge hack 
No, no, I think he's incredibly talented. And he's super talented. Yeah, yeah, and he has a really good understanding of music and structure and like what makes songs work. He knows how to use the tools, and that's and, you yeah. know we may shit on Chris too, but he's super yeah. talented. I don't. We. I, I don't shit on Chris. <laughs> he's just a meme lord. He's just, shit on Chris. He's just also like the biggest meme shit lord, but he's super talented. So yeah. it's fun. Yeah, that's cool. Dakin meme core. Yeah, so <laughs> music accessibility, catchy choruses, hooks, uh, Dakin meme core, um, like chord progressions that are familiar, Pashables canon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pashables canon. I don't. Is that <laughs> is how you say that? I, I don't think so. It's Pashable. It's Pashable. Pashable's canon. Pachelbel. I think I. I think when I was in. In like high school orchestra, like I called it Taco Bell because it it rhymes with Taco Bell, but that's probably wrong. <laughs> now I want Taco Bell. What the fuck? <laughs> Darko, can yeah. you tell us what? And now I still can, don't can you, know how to pronounce it. Can you rendition Taco Bell's canon for us, real quick? Yeah, I can. With your beautiful like, dudes. Forever we ride on together, destroying your evil with freedom. Oh my, oh my god, god. transition into Dragon Force. For the mountains, <laughs> for the green valleys, where but that's all Plagal was canon. My god, it's beautiful. Yeah, see, oh my god, <laughs> and that's all accessible. Nah, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, kind because, of, but that part yeah, is accessible. Part. I mean, there's the rest. There's the rest of the music, which has really complex, like, guitar parts and like bass lines on top of that, and like super fast drums. But that part is accessible. Yeah, yeah I think the super fast drums and more complex you know, orchestrations or guitar parts are going to be part of the less accessible parts. It might be added depth that once people have been hooked by the catchy parts. They can explore and yeah. get more into, and then that's how they can really fall in love yeah. with it, other than just okay. singing along. I also think like the main, maybe the main wall in all the metal subgenres is actually the overall sound and how dense it is, how packed of stuff. Like uh, this is gonna be a bit nerdy, but the whole frequency spectrum is full of stuff with all the distorted guitars and the drums yes. blasting at everything that they can and in power metal when you add the orchestra things and keyboards and all the layered vocals with the harmonies and it's a lot to process and it is a lot to process most people like everyone is mostly used to listening to stuff well before with what you had on the radio now with what comes up in your youtube playlist or your spotify mix but most of the mainstream accessible music it's not that dense in information. You don't have to, um, like, go and... Uh, at a glance, you can tell what is going on in the picture. And with maybe power metal and other types of metal, you need to, like, go and... You have to know what you're looking for. Or maybe use a bit of, like, going into it and seeing this part in detail and this part in detail, and then everything makes sense. And that might be the first wall that people encounter. Yeah. That brings us to our, our I guess, I'll, I'll frame this into a specific question, but we, we're right on topic. What distinguishes that 
entry level or a gateway power metal band versus a power metal band that's harder to listen to. And before we dive into that, let's let's define a couple of those. Sure. So an entry level what you, band. What do you think entry level bands are? Uh, entry level bands would be you know Sabaton, Powerwolf, Glory Hammer, Battle Beast. Those like really. I don't know how to describe it. Someone else describe it for me. Like what we were saying. Lots of synths. Like you, you get hooked. Like if you get the hits from these bands, um, they have also the the advantage that they are popular right now when we're recording this. Um, and you can listen to one song and get hooked, uh, maybe by a riff or by a melody, by the chorus or whatever. And while, for example, Sabaton is a bit hard, like it, it leans hard on this um, very cluttered mix. There's a lot of sounds going on, maybe not stuff, but sounds, a lot of stuff blasting all the time but you get those hooks that are easy to sing that you can sing along to them by listening once and just you get into them and maybe oh yeah that's especially true for sabaton so you're never gonna forget when d-day takes place yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, and then for example um if you if we go a bit back in time like the stratovarius hit songs they are easy to digest they don't have a lot of instrumentation. They have like the drums going in. You listen to the double drums because they are up from there, but it's clean. You have one guitar doing the rhythm, and then when the riff comes in, it's a clear riff, and then it's a clear lead. And when the vocals are in, the guitars are really subdued, and you have just basic bass line. Like there's not a lot, a lot of stuff going on. So it's easy to take in. And then when the pre-chorus hits and the chorus hits, you might get hooked. So we would call that entry level for this discussion. Yeah, and just because um, a power metal band is kind of uh, labeled as entry level, it's not really like a negative no. thing, yeah. Yeah, you no. know? I, I think that um, a lot of these bands and, and not their entire discography is this style that has like a really hooky chorus and like relatively simplistic uh, pop song structure, verse, chorus, verse, bridge, chorus, <laughs> it, I guess. <laughs> Did I get it right? <laughs> yeah, not all of them have songs like that. It's just that um, they're more of their um, discography has that structure and it's easier to listen to because of the reasons we said and it's not necessarily a bad thing to have um structures that borrow from pop no, uh, like no. they're popular for a reason like yeah. you know hence the name yeah absolutely. they work it's like complaining about a movie using a three-act structure or something yeah definitely like, it, it, it's there for a reason <laughs> yeah because yeah. it works and that's that's what people want and it's cool when people yeah. like your stuff so everyone will will go to this Oh, absolutely. So it's no surprise that like Glory Hammer and Battle Beast are doing really well um, nowadays. I think most power metal fans that have entered the genre like beyond 2012 or whatever, they all know Glory Hammer. They all know Sabaton. And Battle Beast has been supporting and touring bands in the U.S. That's pretty cool. Yeah, these days when we ask people like how they've been getting into power metal, it seems like Sabaton's like the number one that comes up. Uh, Powerwolf is up there. 
Ailstorm. I've been seeing uh, Battle Beast come up a lot too. And yeah, I, that really surprises me as someone who's whose first power metal band, like one of one of my first power metal bands is Stradivarius. I was like, I feel like an old lady now, man. <laughs> I th- I'm, I'm trying to think about what reasons, like why these specific bands uh, have taken off. And I'm thinking they really seem to hit you. They don't go super fast with the songs. Not like Dragon Force. They don't do like your like super speedy riffs like you might think of your more traditional power metal or u.s power metal it might be more yeah. slightly more mid-tempo uh they all uh-huh. have a big focus on uh the synthesizers or keyboards they'll really blast you with uh, those melodies sometimes even overtaking the vocals definitely overtaking the guitars yeah uh-huh. and i think those uh you know like we talk about being more similar to pop metal it makes it a bit easier to yeah. get into. Yeah. Like I've listened to the occasional, you know, forgive me for this, you know, Carly Rae Jepsen song. Oh, I've noticed her using. No worries, dude. She's <laughs> she puts like the synths in there in a ways that honestly remind me of things like Sabaton, and it, it makes sense. Not not it's you not heard exactly it here, the folks. same. Carly Rae Jepsen equals no, Sabaton. You heard it here first. Oh my god. And it's not a bad thing. Okay. Okay, people, it's not a bad thing. I'm not, yeah, I'm not trash talking any of those bands. It makes yeah. sense. I just think that. the comparison is hilarious. It is, hilarious. It is not a bad it's, thing. You know, the comparisons basically end there because Sabaton, you know, they go for the big epic anthemic thing and they're singing about killing Nazis instead of, you know, getting mad at your ex boyfriend <laughs> or whatever. I guess that's Taylor Swift, but <laughs> whatever. It's a little bit of a difference, but whatever. How about. Um, bands or songs or albums that are more for more experienced power metal bands like what are some of your favorites from that category the true hardcore metal fans the real snobs the elitist fans super tough elitist power metal and stuff (laughs) (laughs) these are the bands that if you listen to on a regular basis you probably own a battle track (laughs) right with patches all over it yeah. Yeah. So I tough. I go with the first motorcycle. Go with the first big one that I can think of because this is something that happened to me when I started listening to this band. So Blind Guardian. Yes. Is it's hard to get into. If you're not yes. if you don't come from listening to metal regularly to heavy metal, um listening to Blind Guardian even to I'm thinking of the first five albums, four albums, but... So those are the hard ones to get into. Those are the more straight metal. <laughs> those are my favorites. Yeah, yeah, but say you start with the fourth one, like, uh, sorry, with um, Somewhere Far Beyond. You start with Somewhere Far Beyond. Yeah. You really need to know what you're looking for, because if you just listen to that without any, any pure, like having heard two heavy metal before, you might not understand the thing, honestly. It's not that accessible because you have too many layers. You have all the vocal harmonies that are just, they might overwhelm you, are the guitars and the drums and everything. It's a bit blurry, but when you know what you're looking for, you, when you already... You think somewhere far beyond is yeah. is, mess, is messy and blurry? Like Think about a night at the I, opera. Yeah, no, 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 no. I think everyone says... If you haven't, if you're not into Blind Guardian yet, listen to Nightfall on Middle Earth. So I did. I listened to Nightfall on Middle Earth. 
and I was like so overwhelmed by the millions yep. of vocal harmonies and I, I the guitars sounded muddy to me and it was just a lot and I honestly didn't really like Blind Guardian until I went backwards um, for sure <laughs> yeah I went backwards in their discography and I was like oh okay now this is sounding more mm -hmm. coherent to me like I really enjoyed Follow the Blind. Like it sounded like I can hear the guitar, I can hear Hansi's vocals. It's like speedier. For with me, for instance, um, yeah, I I didn't nothing like their first four albums didn't click for me whatsoever until maybe like a year ago. That's really interesting. And I, I don't know what happened. I grew up listening to heavy oh. metal. Yeah, you're like, like a Maiden fan. It just it just never clicked. Yeah. It's just those first four albums never clicked for me until maybe a year, year and a half ago. Yeah, that's incredible. I had the opposite experience. Like, I could not get into, like, the super intense, like, orchestration and, like, the 9000 Hansi army. Like, I could not get into I'm that. I'm probably weird because my, uh, <laughs> my first Blind Guardian song was Mirror Mirror off of Nightfall Middle Earth, and I loved it. Oh. Like, I was just like... I've yeah. never heard something like this, and I love it. And then after mm -hmm. that, I heard Battlefield, mm -hmm. which is tons of shit going on in that. But uh, yeah. oh my god, and I, I got, got so, so into like it. flustered when I heard Battlefield. <laughs> I, I, I'm thinking on on previous experience of, of the listener. Like I've been hearing to heavy metal in some capacity for years. So when I started listening to Black Guardian, like six months ago, <laughs> um, I all right. Um, I, I understood, I, I knew what I had to listen for. It's like looking for, but listen for, is that a correct phrase? Or I just yeah, 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 yeah. That's, right. that's yeah. fine. So, um, I... Like specific parts that you have to keep, keep out. Yeah, like in you your have, if you don't know what you're getting into, you might just perceive it as just this wall of stuff, of lurie cold stuff, icy stuff. I don't know, I associate it with cold stuff. Wall, yeah. wall of sound uh, but, <laughs> I, you hear that term a lot when describing music yeah, especially like the harder genres yeah that i really like listening to blind guardian to all the layered vocals and the guitar work and the tone of the drums but i can tell that it was because i already had listened to a lot of heavy metal that was leaning in that style and in, in that type of sound and it's really I can tell that for someone that hasn't listened to metal, they will just listen to that and tell you what's going on. Why is it so loud? Why why can I really pinpoint where's the lead singer and stuff like that? And that would be hard for someone yeah. to get into without having already listened to enough of this kind of music to just be able to process all this information. Yeah, I think um, the fact that there's a ton of vocal and instrumental and orchestral layers is not the only reason a band might be difficult to get into for newer power metal fans. Um, what do you all think about basically all of the U.S. power metal style? And I'm not just talking about power metal that happens to be from the United States. I'm talking about like the whole USPM movement in the in the um, late 80s. Um, some of my examples that I listed are Liege Lord, Riot, um, even Virgin Steel. I'm not big on it. 
You're not? No. I don't like the vocals yeah. in USPM. Well, but okay. that's a different thing. Yeah, so... Yeah, yeah, it's a different reason why a band is harder to get into. Because um, this style is more uh, cut and dry, I guess. Um, it's really riff-driven. The vocals are not as melodic. Sometimes not mm-hmm. even melodic at all. But I think certain... Um, S- certain songs like Riot's Thunder Steel are like really powerful and has a big chorus and easy to, s- to get into also. It just has a lot more complexity in the instruments, which can like take away from the sing-alongness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it depends on how much I mean, they, I uh... think it's really <laughs> melodic. I think it's really melodic still. Like I would, I would recommend this as someone who likes melodies, but there's a lot more going on there. Yeah, it depends on how much they play into those elements. Like, a big yeah. complaint about, I guess, metal in general is like, oh, it's just noise. Because of, yeah. oh, I guess, the speed, the a lot going on, the layers, depending on what band it is. Or mm-hmm. even the production, in some cases, if it's lower fidelity. Yeah. Oh, like Demon Bitch? <laughs> oh, oh, I love uh, Demon Bitch. Demon Bitch Hell Friends. <laughs> Album of yeah. the year demon bitch hell friends um a lot of people love this album but a lot of people also don't <laughs> and um i think it's a great example of uh uspm style um power metal slash heavy metal i think we uh, officially labeled it as heavy metal on yeah. this podcast but i think mm-hmm. it has elements that are very uspme it has i think it has really melodic riffs and I think the shitty production is really charming. Yeah, like the riffs are great on that album. I don't think anyone can dispute <laughs> that's that. The, the the production is the first hurdle to get yeah. over with that. Yeah, and I think yes, that's, that's... the shitty production is super adorable to me. It it just makes you feel like you're in a garage with like your best friends jumping up and down. Yeah, some people love that. Some people love it, but that's not the yes. majority. That's the thing. Like mm-hmm. you can tell, you can tell that yeah. that's on purpose. That's part of the mm-hmm. identity of the band. To make it sound like that, yeah, mm-hmm. and and I don't. I think it's it's uh, safe to say that many metal bands in certain subgenres, um, they make an effort to maybe not be that accessible. Because I think, mm. yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. like heavy metal, black metal, they just like the idea of the identity of being on the fringe. The identity of being the guys that are outside yeah. of the main group, the outsiders, and yeah, it, and to keep oh, yeah, it like absolutely. that. Absolutely, especially black metal. The black metal movement, like, kind of started as a response to the popularity of heavy metal in the UK. They're like, we're gonna make this shit as unlistenable as humanly possible. We're gonna record on a potato, and we're just gonna scream a lot and trem pick a lot and like. Beat the yeah. shit out of our and drums. then even inside that, if you are into that and if you go into there, you can find great music and great bands to listen to. Yeah, but I... they are like they have on purpose this wall to be not accessible. Sure. And do you think um, some power metal releases today uh, kind of trend towards that or are we starting are we seeing more trends toward the accessible kind? i've actually noticed a lot of bands in recent years making that move towards the more accessible crowd i i literally do think okay. it is because of sabaton like they've had oh my god like, not to sound like a conspiracy theorist but they actually like have had so much success i've seen a lot of bands moving towards that style which mm-hmm. i've even made a list of here um including things like oh wow 
Take the band Bloodbound, for example. Like, their first album, Nosferatu, is, uh, it's super catchy, but. Oh my god, I love Nosferatu. It's so fucking good. <laughs> it's got those, like, catchy riffs and choruses. It's really great. But then their most recent, uh, stuff has a lot more of those more mid-tempo, uh, hitting you with the synths type anthemic chorus tracks. Exactly like Sabaton. That bores the shit out of me. I'm sorry. And, and some people like it, and some people, yeah, it's it's, it's boring. Uh, yeah, I think it Sab- be, the Sabaton style is not my thing. I think I it'd be know. less boring if it wasn't everywhere, you know? Right. Because at true. this point, it's overused, uh, which makes it yeah, boring. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like other bands, like Power Wolf does that. They have like their thing that they do. Uh, Battle Beast and Beast in Black um, basically both do this. When I saw Battle Beast live, I was kind of surprised just how every single song they're playing sounded exactly the same like just you know mid-tempo <laughs> really like, like yeah they're they're fine songs but their so their funny. live show just has no flow to it because it's all like a straight fucking uh you know line it, there was no like progression i kept waiting for a song to come on where they just kicked up the intensity but they never did oh boy i mean that's a trend that we've been getting more not nothing lots of stuff that's coming out lately isn't bad it's just boring because every song is the same. No, I don't. I don't know if it's like really every song is the same. I think I'm. I think we're like really surprised or happy or pleased when we we see a single from a new release and it's like a fast track and we're like, oh my god, a fast song. But like, isn't most songs in this genre supposed to be mm-hmm. fast? Sort of. Yeah, it's kind of supposed to be that way. Yeah. Even a uh, Dragony, yeah. a band who I really liked their album uh, a couple years ago, Shadowplay. They just put out an they put on EP I think last year, mm-hmm. where their songs were drifting more towards that um, like I, I Sabatoni style. I'm not really sure what to call it, <laughs> and that that worries me because I really liked uh, their previous album with songs like Wolves of the North, being more melody and guitar driven rather than just we're gonna hit you with synths like they do in uh, I can't remember the name but the Bloodborne song that they did, <laughs> Lords of the Hunt. That's it. Oh, speaking of synths, can I talk about Labyrinth real quick? You can always talk about Labyrinth. <laughs> okay, so Labyrinth is a power metal band from Italy, and in 1998, they had this album called Return to Heaven Denied, and, I mean, they're playing all of it at Proc Power, and it's a sick album. Sick as in, like, hella good. So if you haven't heard Labyrinth, Return to Heaven Denied, please listen to it now, it's so good. It's okay. Um, <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> it's really melodic, um, but the guitarist Olaf Thorsen plays a lot of like guitar riffs in addition to the melodies, like at the same time. And um, I think it's really beautiful and melodic and easy to listen to. But I think a lot of people don't agree with me on that because. I don't know. It, it's it's guitar driven still, which means you have to pay attention to the guitar on top of the vocals. And their most recent release used way more synths than they ever have. <laughs> it's not bad, but I think that I don't know. I just wish that they would write more guitar driven songs. Like I know, I know European power metal is known to be synth heavy. It's known to be like really melodic and flowery or whatever but Flower like metal. it's still it's still metal please use the guitars <laughs> that would be nice right i think the trick is finding the right balance 
Yeah. Whereas like some yeah. can be like too rip heavy to the point where it sounds too repetitive and you can go too far the other way and being like all synths all the time and it just kind of drowns things out. And there are bands who are more orchestration focused, uh, like Fairyland or even Rhapsody, but they still Serenity, yeah, exactly. more contemporary example. But they still you know, their last have shit. like that healthy <laughs> amount of guitars in there. Even Twilight Force with their silliness oh, and Jesus. their unique brand of Disney metal that they've been going for. I love that. I don't think Disney metal is a thing. <laughs> it should oh be. God. I like it. Yeah, if you find it's me, it's not. When we have two more bands that do. The stuff Toilet Force, do, <laughs> then we can call it, we can coin Disney Metal. Yeah, they're like the only ones right keep, now. I will keep calling them that because it completely explains what you're going to listen. And you can't deny that. I'm going to call it orchestral metal. They've like <laughs> carved out their little niche now because like it's different. Like their style yeah. compared to like Rhapsody or Ancient Bards. Yeah, no, they're they're not. Uh, Italian power metal or European power metal. I just love that you just put on that album and it sounds like a movie. It's, it sounds yeah, magical. You, you hear, you hear the magical. fairy dust. <laughs> that songs. Yeah, there's just fairy dust flying in your bedroom. The birds it's start amazing. singing so outside. That, that, and what, what's that? That's Disney. You cannot say that 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 is in the Disney film. <laughs> it's whimsical. It's great. The birds start singing like Flight of the Sapphire yeah. Dragon, and you're just like, la, I'm Snow White. Anyway, um, so since power metal is such a melodic uh, genre with a lot of catchy choruses and hooks, uh, why is it not that popular in North America? You know, I've had a, a long discussion with a friend of mine about this, uh, our boy Ed Ledron, whose name I mispronounced. <laughs> and I think what we basically arrived at <laughs> power metal exists in this weird middle ground where yes, it's melodic, upbeat, fun, catchy. And you think, okay, that's great. We can totally pull people in with that, but it still has like those elements of being metal and noisy and weird. And it's that, that, that sort of puts people off. And that's why it's not really getting into the mainstream so much because it's still removed enough from, I guess, normal, quote-unquote, music. And from the other side, you have, like, your, you know, your true metal, hardcore, whatever crowd. True metal tough. Yeah, you know, the true cavilts. I don't know how to fucking say it. True cult. Exactly. <laughs> where, where they, like, power metal's made fun of I'm for being tough. too, like, flowery and too light normal. and too normal, yeah. too pop music-y. Except, except for USPM. Except for USPM, which is, like, which is like, power yeah, metal. my... Yeah, my favorite band is is Demon uh, Vicious Rumors and Liege Lord, and they're like, it's yeah. like you don't listen to Virgin Seal, what a <laughs> fucking loser, bro. Like, but except for Blind Guardian, which yep. is which is Blind top. Guardian is the one acceptable EU oh, yeah, heavy Blind metal Guardian's band. I don't I don't know why because they're <laughs> they're close to they're close to speed metal yeah. and like their songs are well written. I mean, how can you hate Blind yeah. Guardian? One time I was showing Blind Guardian, not to bring it back to them again, uh, to a fan, uh, to someone who's a big fan of classical music. And so like the album that they most responded to was At the Edge of Time hmm. with songs like Sacred Worlds oh, and Wheel of Time and things like that on it. Well, uh, I think power metal and some of speed heavy metal, it's, it's really easy to get into for people that like classical music. Yeah, I've even heard so? it called neoclassical, like look at your really stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the name that 
up here, which it's a bit of a misnomer, but it's okay. <laughs> the, because uh, listening to classical music, it's classical music in most of the of its different genres that it has among the years, and specifically Baroque classical music is really um, dense in information. Oh yeah, totally. It has the same entry barrier, like you have to make, pull it apart a bit to appreciate it. You have to listen to a lot of stuff. Okay, so about Baroque stuff, um, I used to play piano, um, and I I learned I learned classical piano first, and in a Baroque songs, um, your left hand and your right hand are both playing separate mm -hmm. melodies at the same time. Um, it's not that like your right hand's playing the melody and your left hand is doing chords or doing arpeggios. You're playing two fucking melodies at the exact same time. Yeah, it sounds hard. So it's um so yeah yeah yeah. If you want to know if you don't know and you want to know what baroque uh, classical music is, go listen to um, Black Diamond by... Uh, oh my god, I was just thinking about Black that's Diamond. Bar, that's Bach. <laughs> that's your, your homie, Johann Bach. Sebastian Bach. And he's... Like, completely ripped off. Yeah. <laughs> Inspired. I think that's that... that, that uh, progression is called alberti bass mm, or something yeah. right i don't remember it's like that uh broken up arpeggio thing <laughs> not really it's like low uh one five three yeah five. we really need darko to just do a thing where he does acapella versions of metal songs <laughs> we're gonna call we're gonna call yes. it von darko it's gonna be the new big thing <laughs> von darko yeah <laughs> We're gonna outdo Van Ca Van Canto. Van, um, <laughs> just to round it up, this little bit like anything that is that you say, oh, this sounds like Invi Malsim stuff. That's uh, based and inspired by Baroque uh, classical music. So mm -hmm. that's what I say for people Shut that are used to listening to classical music and more so if they like Bach, it's easy to get them into power metal because you can find a lot of songs uh, that are just a matter of changing the instrumentation and adding vocals and drums. Yes. But the overall yes. idea... It's... Play Beethoven's Nightmare by Dragonland. Well, even even at, from a different angle, there's a lot of power metal that lots of people are actually very receptive to. You just can't tell them that it's metal before they listen to it. Oh yeah. Oh, or, or they get or metal has that because stigma. the only metal the social preconception. The only metal that people know is new metal, and it's very edgy and angry. They call and it screamo. Like, yeah. They hear the word metal and, and they're like, "Oh, is this screamo?" Ah. Like. <laughs> no. They're like, yeah. But you 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 can't use the word metal with quote unquote regular yeah, people. Just listen because to they'll this just, song completely shut down yeah one time i played mm, a couple songs for a roommate of mine in college i think i played camelot and angra and he commented that it sounded almost like video game boss music and that he didn't expect mm -hmm. metal to be able to sound like that i'm like yeah how about that <laughs> oh yeah it's like at work we have this like broken old cd player that's not that's kind of works still and i have there's only two albums there there's 
uh, Lost Horizon, Awakening the World, nice. and Season's Greetings, some <laughs> Christmas album. So we decided to listen to Lost Horizon. And my coworkers have never been exposed to any power metal before. And I was like, hey, let's check this out, whatever. And Leo, Lost Horizon is like speed power metal. It's very pauses, very uplifting. I wouldn't call them accessible, <laughs> and strictly they're like, speaking. He, no, <laughs> it's not that accessible, it's not that, but it's very positive. No. And he still thought that he was being yelled at and that it sounded angry. But I was like, wait, what? Is this not uplifting to you? It's intense, no. though. Yeah, he, he, if you don't, you, <laughs> it you is need intense. To, to get him over the, the sound barrier. Like, if you're not used to that, you just hear that and it's like, stop blasting this stuff. And they, they can't pick out yeah. the instruments or anything. They just listen to the whole yeah, thing. Like, you see, rather than powerful totally. and uplifting, it just sounds angry rather than inspiring. Yeah, but I was like, it's it's so it's so nice. Yeah, it's just telling they, you they, that you can do they, it. They, they can't. They can get to the melodies. They don't listen. They can listen the mel to the melody because they're just yeah, listening they... to uh, a bowl of just distortion and shit that they are not used to. <laughs> distortion and shit. Yeah, this is a guy who we can agree on sabotage. So at the gym, I I listened to sabotage together with him. I played like. Um, got her ballet and he liked it but he can't get into maiden that's weird yeah, how can so, you not get into maiden that's weird maiden's it's like too mainstream fast. as shit dude yeah it's too fast but sabotage i think is more like it has more a prog rocky element and mm. i don't know i think i think it's nicer to listen to than maiden for someone who doesn't like fast yeah, stuff. speaking of maiden one time in high school we were learning about the battle of britain while doing world war ii in history class oh dude aces high and my teacher who was super cool he, he played aces high yeah just and i, and I was loving it because aces high is one of my favorite maiden songs and i'm sitting there loving life and everyone in the class is like screaming <laughs> at him to turn off because it's horrible and i'm just like are you serious I'm so accessible I know. It's so weird. That's really ex I mean, like th that song. My mind is blown. Like edgy fifteen-year-old me was just like so pissed off at <laughs> like the like, school that day. Why did you guys day. like this? I like it so much. And like someone near me was like, "You're actually liking this," and I'm like, "Yes." Were you like full yeah. on headbanging too? Nice. I was fighting like the going, urge, going crazy I in think, the middle of class. I, I think yeah. my, my head was moving, and I had, probably was throwing the horns like in my pocket or something. <laughs> And That's like cute. the guitar solo is going, and it's fucking great, and people are just like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. So, do you think? Um, do you guys think that people who like Nightwish and Sabaton, who are the popular and not power metal fans, like, do they realize they're listening to metal, or like, what do they classify it as in their? Head? I, I don't <laughs> know. I think the Sabaton crowd that's getting into it definitely does. Do they think they're listening think to metal? So. <laughs> Oh, that's nice. I, I don't know. If... I, I think we're, you... based on just the people that we interact with, um, because okay. it's not like we did a nationwide poll for this episode. No, this is just our like little <laughs> but, anecdotal yeah. like conversations with anecdotal random. Anecdotal evidence is totally valid. <laughs> totally. Okay. Especially in the internet. So all these people yeah. that we interact with, I think that we are at a time where... Um, we may need some redefinitions or maybe new labelings. Um, because mm. clearly what most people are getting into now and calling power metal maybe doesn't really hold up with the past 30 years of power metal. It's like a different thing maybe. Like there are some 
bands and songs that I wouldn't expect to be called the same genre. Do we need Which to we break out a lot that, yeah, like, that one time? <laughs> do we need to break out like power metal core? Oh going god, into the future power metal Stop. core. I don't know. <laughs> no, don't know. That, that's the, thing. the thing is that metal has a really, really bad record track record with naming stuff. <laughs> yeah, and I think core the core st- is. It, it it represents that it has influence from hardcore, which is a subgenre. I think that's punk. lost its meaning at this so point, no. though. Mostly, <laughs> yeah, it's lost its meaning. Like you no, just no, no, now, but, you just. Uh, but I wouldn't just tack it on randomly. That's, now it's, that's, that's, that's just what it is now, though. It's just a tack on now. Yeah. You just tack on it. Oh my god! Because no. If you're shouting, you just put core in there, just because you want to <laughs> oh, be tough. I'm tough, no. so I'm core. And then you have the... I apologize to all hardcore punk fans <laughs> listening. Then, and you say, oh, I have this uh, this song. I just made this odd meter, this weird core. So we are post. post I'm progressive. Core. So we are post pro I'm progressive. Core, <laughs> oh, my God. And no, but... And, 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 core. and you put all the triangles in your cover. And back, back to yes. Sabaton fans. And upside down A's. Upside down back A's. Back to Sabaton fans. Yeah. Um, Which is a demographic, I've, by the way. I've, I've been to every Sabaton show that's come through Arizona in the last, like, three tours. Or maybe four. Jesus Christ, uh, why? why not? And one, there have been two trends that I've noticed. They have moved from support to headline. And they have gotten a bigger good, venue good every for them, time. Yeah. Congrats. So it's growing popularity. I Sabaton, if their fans don't know that it's metal before they go to a show, they will when they're at the show, first of all. Um, once they get into the crowd. Okay. And second of all, I think Sabaton is gonna start selling out venues in the next tour or two. Selling out like fifteen hundred person venues. And who knows where they're gonna go from there. That's on the the fan base, I guess. Could could Sabaton be the savior of power metal no <laughs> you can't even take that seriously no because the they don't branch out beyond sabaton the fans a lot of them i'm oh, not gonna make sweeping generalizations but a lot of them don't okay yeah a friend of mine well, who I, I was like oh yeah I, I have a podcast where i talk about power metal he's like oh power metal yeah i know sabaton i'm like yeah that, that that's a thing yeah that's a thing okay so any sabaton fans out there uh, we love you. Um, check out other bands <laughs> like Labyrinth. Or Angra. Um, or or Angra. Horizon. Angra's really nice. Or if you want to get into USPM, check out Virgin Steel. Um, an album that I think is really kind of easier to get into is Invictus. And if you want any more recommendations, just message us. Yeah, we, we love recommending we have, things. Yeah, we, we love recommending shit to people. Um, we reply to all of our messages, most of them. All, all of them. Have <laughs> we missed a reply nope. yet? <laughs> we haven't missed a reply yet. Good job, y'all. Um, if we missed a reply, sorry, email us again, and we will reply to you. But yeah, we love you. We just want you to listen to more power metal. <laughs> One other angle I want to take on the popularity thing, if, if unless we're going too long here, is a lot of bands that have been blowing up recently seem to have like a gimmick of sorts. Like, you know, Sabaton has their whole, like, history, and especially Tanks saying, like, they partner with World of Tanks, for God's sake. You know, Ailstorm has, like, the whole pirates and memery. Ailstorm has just, or, I mean, Ailstorm, Glory Hammer has space and unicorns and wizards. 
and even in general power, power <laughs> metal is like cool. the the fantasy dungeons and dragons we're gonna go slay the dragon for the glory of the king and the almighty steel type thing <laughs> and like I, that I, draws I, in a lot of like the nerd crowd yeah, that's why you have all your it guys and weeaboos who love power metal <laughs> did you just describe us <laughs> or maybe i'm yeah. just describing people i know each of us so uh, yes. i'd like to make a distinction between what you say because i think that the word gimmick Everyone that is listening probably will take it as um, with a bad connotation. Like you are purposefully doing this because you know it will be popular. And in some cases, you could say that that may be a thing. Like Glory Hammer, like does it on purpose? They on purpose take all the power metal cliches that they could find and put them all together in a big pot and just make music taking everything to the extreme. Uh, and they ham it up on it. purpose, yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's great. Like that's uh, that was the idea, that was the objective, and they are not being they, they are self conscious about it and everything. Uh, and then you have like you mentioned the whole story driven rhapsody, which is something that Glory Hammer mocks in a way. But I think that that was just what they wanted to do. Your rhapsody takes it more seriously. Yeah. Yeah, like I want to write a book, a fantasy book. But I will make it into albums and songs. So and let's with music. Absolutely. Let's change the word gimmick then. Let's change it to aesthetic. Mm. Yeah. Or theme. Or theme. Aesthetic. Yes. A space unicorn yeah. aesthetic. But, but, it, but, but, but I understand that saying okay, maybe if you're just going full on tanks, maybe you are doing it as a gimmick and you're writing it, and that's cool. Or like in, um, po in a post Sabaton world. If a second band post Sabaton by, world. If a second band came by oh and started doing world. tanks, that's a gimmick to cash in on Sabaton. Yeah. The era of all Sabaton. of the all of the Ailstorm clones cool. that are out there, those are gimmicks. Those are gimmicks, yeah. Yeah, that would be it. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. It's like like the whole thing that happened with this is we mentioned new metal before. Like you had Slipknot and everyone was, Oh, the masks, yes. the masks are just a silly gimmick and that's what makes them sell records or whatever. And it just happened to be a thing that they did and people liked it. Cool. I think it just makes bands and music easy to remember. Yes. It's very iconic. Yeah. 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 You want to leave a lasting impression on your audience because that's what will make them come yeah. back. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, be like, oh, like Power Wolf. It's like, oh, they're the Christian and the wolves band. The ones that band. think about werewolves. You're the Catholic boner band. Stuff. <laughs> the Catholic boner band. Exactly. <laughs> Like the the yes. Horizon cover album cover, everyone remembers that. So the the shitty the, art. the one oh the one with with the guys like um the, over the, blue one, the hurricanes farm animals and the one with the hurricanes oh the one with the hurricanes and then there's one with like farm animals battling yeah. people and they're just like in the sky and there's like rats controlling looks... people and they're awakening yes. the world. It's great. And you'll I love see it. a lot of times people like saying, "Did I listen to this album?" And they see the cover. Oh, I remember this cover. They're like. Yes. And I remember this guy. Yeah. Oh, what, what's that band? Oh, it's a band with with the guy that the guys that always use the camo pants and nothing else. <laughs> camo <laughs> pants and a plate vest and aviators at night. <laughs> and aviators. Or, aviators during a show could be useful though. It gets bright. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because lights. lights yeah. It gets bright up yeah. front. No, really even bright. in the front yeah. row yeah. of like the audience, yeah. it's really bright. 
Okay, so basically what I got out of this conversation is that uh, power metal is too metal for regular people and not metal enough for hardcore heavy metal. Unless. Exactly. USPM only because we're tough. That's true, unless you live and in South America. Unless you live in South America. <laughs> so, Darko, you're the only one that lives in South America of us. <laughs> That's my superpower. What's power metal like there? <laughs> yeah, living in South America. <laughs> so, to anyone, I want to start with this disclaimer. Anyone who is listening to this and lives here in South America, yeah, you probably know more bands than I do. And that's cool. And please send them to me. I want to listen more. So, all the, the, the main difference between South America and North America is that we get a lot more tours than you do. Most yeah, like Rhapsody, you sick fuckers. You, so many you get tours. every tour that doesn't come here that claims it's a world yeah. tour. Yeah, every tour that yeah. claims to be a world tour has a South American leg, and it is guaranteed mm-hmm. that it will go to Brazil, uh, pretty much. That's and the biggest country. And they go to Mexico there, City, uh, too. Yeah. Mm, but Mexico that, that City. doesn't come to yeah, South totally. America, but yeah. That's no- bottom North America. That's basically <laughs> South America. Not United States no, no, America. No. no, like when you are not... Like, let's let's say Latin America not, then. Yeah, yeah, but, but yeah. If, if you I go and look into tour dates, um, they always treat it separately. Like, it's a long trip between Mexico City it and is. the rest of actual South America. Mm-hmm. It's really far away. <laughs> um, yeah. But let's say here, since... I don't say that every band will sell stadiums here because they don't. Um, where I live in Argentina, we have one city in the capital city, Buenos Aires, where we get all the shows. And if I go to Power Metal, they all play in the same venue, which is uh, one of the small venues. Uh, it's probably all, almost always packed, but it's still the small venue. How many um, people? How many people you uh, think? I will just get the number and edit out the time where I look in for it to look smart. Um, the magic of editing. Flores capacidad. Um, they all play in the small venue, which is an eighteen hundred standing people capacity. Oh, okay. Still decent. And that's usually... That's, uh, yeah, yeah. That's is. bigger than the stuff we that's, get. <laughs> that's my big venues in town that people play. But it doesn't sell yeah. out. Yeah. So this is one the yeah. one place in the whole country where you get these bands. Most metal acts play here, like, unless they are really, really big and borderline mainstream, they will play here. Okay. Um, for example, Rhapsody Reunion played this venue. It was jam-packed of people. All the tickets were sold rather quick. And it was a great show. And you could see a lot of really hardcore fans. Like, I counted six people in uh, medieval outfits. Nice. That's really cool. <laughs> I count, and, and a lot of, of singers and musicians and metal singers. Like, there was a group of people just singing the songs before the show. Like, actually singing correctly and th- that was that's awesome special. uh but then halloween uh reunion tour that was in a bigger venue because that was allegedly uh, a bigger 
show they had come before and sold everything. And Halloween was mainstream in the late 80s, too. Right, as mainstream yeah. as heavy metal is. But I wouldn't say it was completely sold out. Very few bands. They, they have to be really big bands like this. Like if it was just regular Halloween, they probably wouldn't have played this venue. Okay. Uh, this venue is like where Megadeth plays all the time. Wow. And Megadeth okay. here That's is big. really big. Like, I don't know. Oh my gosh, especially now that uh, Kiko is in it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but Megadeth has been huge here always. Okay. That's like a top tier band. And I'm talking Megadeth, and then above that is there's only Metallica and Iron Maiden. And those are stadium bands, full on stadium bands. Black Sabbath was a full stadium. Yeah, I think those are our only stadium bands too. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then you get Dragon Force playing with Trivium. And they played this 1800 uh, capacity venue. But again, sold out. Mm-hmm. Still a decent size. And base, mm-hmm. uh, and and they are great shows. And most metal shows will, will happen there. And every every band that says we're going to a world tour, they're going, if they're going to South America, they will play Brazil. In Brazil, they have usually uh, bigger venues. Maybe just because there's more people or because they're bigger fans, I don't know. Then they will come to Argentina, they will go to Chile, maybe Uruguay, but maybe not. And then the rest of the countries up there. And we get we get them all the time. We get a lot of, a lot of tours. So I will probably have a yeah. chance to see more bands, international bands than you do, or European bands. Yeah, really. definitely. Yeah. For and sure. We're used to that. Like there's a big crowd for international bands here. A big crowd. Yeah. Yeah, and we think like maybe uh, bands like to tour South America because, you know, you guys love international bands. And also the United States might be too large of a mm-hmm. region for bands to efficiently cover yeah. without lose, without like hemorrhaging money from the cost of touring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that, that that might be a big factor because just coming here... So if a band comes here and plays Brazil, they will most likely play uh, Buenos Aires, Argentina, and Chile. Uh, just because yeah. um, it's like it's not that much added cost in travel to them, and it, it probably it's in their in their best interest to do it. But if they didn't play Brazil, they wouldn't do any of the others. How how long of a drive okay. is it from? Sao Paulo to no, it's Buenos a, Aires. No, it's a flight. It's a no, flight. If, you, if you were to drive, though, how long is the drive? Well, I don't know, like a week. A I week, okay. <laughs> I have no idea, but it's, it's a big not. fucking place. It's really hard. I don't know geography. <laughs> oh my so, God, you're so yeah. American. I, I, Arizona school system. Okay, I don't know don't, how much Don't it cut it out. Let them look stupid. I will not cut it out. I don't know how much it is driving, <laughs> but I can tell you that it's um, to the capital is about a four-hour flight. Oh, okay. That's decently far. That's like two-thirds of the United States. And then going... Like, we're going to take a four-hour yeah. flight to Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> and then going to from Buenos Aires to Santiago in Chile. I think that's another yeah. two hours by plane. So you spend more time in the airport than in the plane. Um, okay. But you wouldn't drive that. I, I don't think any van that comes from Europe 
to tour South America actually drives between the places. I think it doesn't make sense, not even in cost. Yeah. It's probably more expensive yeah. in the end because you have so, to love. So our, <laughs> you have the equipment. Yeah, our, our continents are too big to have all the tours and festivals that Europe has. Because mm. <laughs> they just have like that bigger like metal band per capita thing. And they're yeah. a lot smaller, a lot yes. denser. Yeah, it's easier for bands to travel. Just to put into perspective, I get all the shows because I live in Buenos Aires. Um, yeah. The rest of Argentina doesn't get any shows. So mm -hmm. we still have a whole country without tours. Just Argentina's a big place. Yeah, instead of... Argentina's a yeah. really big country. Yeah, yeah, it is really big. But um, just recently, like in the past five years... Bands have started going to Cordoba, which is another bigish city in the in the country yeah. in the north. But until this, the past five years, only Buenos Aires, only VA. And there's a lot of people from around the country that travel to VA to watch the shows. They would travel yeah, to Buenos Aires. They come Aires, here right? to, to see the shows yeah. and people come from other uh countries just to see the show sometimes mm -hmm. when they like say it Halloween came here and didn't play in Uruguay and a lot of people from there would yeah. come to be able to see show. I have gone to Uruguay. Oh, probably. Yeah, <laughs> I, I went to Uruguay just to see Paul McCartney when they played there and not in Buenos Aires. Oh, nice. Because nice. that's that, that's close. That, that That's a, a short trip. A short domestic flight. I feel yeah. like... Flight, um, a little boat. <laughs> I feel like bands could feasibly make it worthwhile if they only played like LA and New York. And like, uh, going um, from LA to New York. That's... I don't know about that, but it has to be like, does the band yeah, sell out that, the that's venue? The big thing. Because bands play eighteen hundred people venues in. Um, I live in Southern California in Anaheim. Yeah, the Grove is like seventeen, eighteen hundred people. I think. Yeah, but it never fills up. It's never sold well, out. I think if like Rhapsody reunion or something went to LA and New York, I think both shows would sell out. I don't know about uh, selling out. No. Mm. I don't know about that. No, like here, yes, they all sold out. Provided adequate time, I think they would. Eh, like adequate lead up. Because even I like mean, Sabaton, so Nightwish, Blind Guardian, they all play at the Grove, and I don't think I've ever seen them sell out. Yeah, and they're the bigger the they're the bigger bands that play. Mm -hmm. Well, Nightwish is coming here in September. Yeah. And they are playing a relatively big venue, a small stadium, a closed uh, stadium, and. Uh, that yeah. would probably that without a doubt it might sell out because in that same stadium Taria played with her solo band and that was sold out. Amazing, um, that's so awesome. I wish will just explode of people in that place. That's so cool. I mean, Pumpkins United has sold out multiple shows so far, but that's yeah, Halloween but Pumpkins too. Pumpkins United P is like a big Pumpkins United is a, yeah. it's, it's it's a, a big special event. thing. It's like, yeah, this is the one time that I can see this lineup. Because it, it won't happen again. It might not happen again. They might all they might all drop dead yeah. tomorrow. It's an event. <laughs> so, if it's just regular regular Halloween, yeah. I don't think you'd have the same response. Like, it's not in the same scale, but it's like uh, going to see Black Sabbath in their latest tours. Mm, yeah. When will I do this again? When will I have the chance? And people that might not have gone to any other show might go to that one only, just because it's yeah, that special. Yeah. 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 Cool. Well, thanks for sharing uh, what power metal is like.
on in South America. Sounds real special. Yeah. We treasure your unique insight. Oh, thank we, you. Uh, we don't have any mm-hmm. Europeans to get us the other side of the world. Yeah, we'll, we'll fix that. Yeah, we'll so fix that eventually. Europeans. Eventually. We have European friends, um, but there's this weird thing called time zones, and they are asleep Or they're just right too now. lazy to make it work with us, you know. No, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> European friends they're, are cool. They're not. Yeah, we love you, European friends. And European listeners, yeah. um, we appreciate you as well. Enjoy your vast amount of choices for festivals and shows. <laughs> and... Meanwhile, we'll just stick to listening to albums. So today we're going to review two albums. We're going to review Judicator, The Last Emperor, and we're going to review Camelot, The Shadow Theory. Um, Let's start with Judicator. It's pretty sick. Yeah, pretty sick. Yeah. First impressions. (laughs) Pretty sick. Yeah, I I really dug this album. Uh, I've been listening to it a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, like I was doing the singles, and then finally the album dropped a week or so ago. It's not the same step up that At the Expense of Humanity was, which I don't think they really could have. Otherwise, okay. we'd have like a Jesus album on our hand. But like mm-hmm. this album, it it has everything that you you, you want. It's got those speedy riffs. It's got those epic choruses, um, great melodies, uh, awesome solos. Like it's Judicator. <laughs> like like we had our discussion with them. They uh, they didn't reinvent the wheel, but it's another solid album, is my initial first impression. It's a nice wheel. <laughs> it's a great wheel. Yeah. I came out, I got it, I actually got it a day early. came in the mail early, which is cool. Yeah. I listened to it maybe six times on the first day, just in my car. Jesus. Because I, dr- I drive for work. Okay. You're in your car a lot. Yeah. That's what so that tells me. So I went into the CD player, and it didn't come out for maybe a week. I loved the album. I think uh, Queen of All Cities is... Hands down, the best track on the album overall. I I'd put that as my best song as well, it, or at least up there. I agree. I like Spiritual Treason those, better. Those are my top two. Those but... are top two. <laughs> I especially okay. like what the yeah. John's vocals at the very end of Queen of All Cities, like maybe the last fifteen mm-hmm. seconds. I think is really really good. I think that song has the cool. best riffs. Like especially, I think it's right after the choruses, like that bridge that they do. Mm-hmm. The riff there is just so aggressive, but like so beautiful. I really want to point out that this is the best song about Constantinople ever since They Might Be Giants about Istanbul, not Constantinople. So bravo to John and Tony. Nice. Yeah, I think um, this album, I liked it a lot because um, it it has has a unique take um, on German power metal style. It's super rhythm guitar driven, which as we, as y'all heard in uh, the interview, like, Tony really loves playing rhythm guitar and you can really tell and it's just like really riff driven in general like when you hear the vocals singing you also will hear guitar riffs playing a counter melody or sometimes even in unison and it just makes it like hella more powerful hella powerful hella more powerful (laughs) yes hella powerful Powerfuller. Um, yeah, that you can only imagine how what powerful that is. Favorite solos on the album. Favorite solos. I, Tony always kills on the solos, even on their older albums. Um, I think the solos are my favorite parts. Uh, I'm gonna say Antioch. I do really like Antioch. That was. I think that had the best solo. I'm really bad at like remembering where solos are. Yeah, I can say that any single solo stood out to me, especially 
to remember it on its own. But they all work in the songs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have to like write timestamps. I I really like how the songs. Um, I I love how there was no ballads, but within the individual song, you have like an acoustic section. Yeah. And then it like picks up speed and then it like slows down again. And then like it goes blazing fast to the end. The individual songs had that flow to them, which is always good. Yeah. 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 I love how there's variety in, in like in the, the tempo and the. Antioch in particular, I think, played around with like that, like slow it down and then build back up the most. Oh my God. Yeah. That was. I really, really like well the variety done. on Antioch. Re really well done. Mm hmm. I think Antioch was actually my favorite song for the first couple of listens. Yeah. But then Queen of All Cities just kind of took it. Yeah. I think that's one of my favorites, too. So I think my only, like, gripe on this album is that they sort of do the uh, acoustic acoustic yeah, intro, they... followed by, like, followed immediately by melodic guitar. And then in the middle, there's, there's like, a na-na-na, yeah, like, la-la-la yeah. portion. And then after that, like... It, it has like orchestra and then it ends and on Antioch it had instead of like with a blazing fast like after the la 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 section like there's a more epic sounding like slower intense build up and I think that's what makes Antioch really stand Did out they reuse me. that but yeah. uh, like 10 to 30 seconds of acoustic and then boom riff so much like the whole like back yeah. half of the album literally I know. always I was does like, that oh I, this is really this is really badass but like y'all did this like four like, times the singles came out and <laughs> spiritual treason had that i'm like oh this is nice oh my god but then it just kept happening spiritual treason was made such a good impression on me i was like this is awesome john sounds great here it's like a guy who sounds like hansi and hansi singing together like this is cool they didn't, they didn't use hansi enough they, they should have used some more have him do the whole album so no, John. that's mean. <laughs> no, we we want the dude who Let's wrote this duet for the to whole like album. you know get the spotlight. Exactly. Okay, yeah, duet the whole album. Yeah, duet the whole album. Let's make it happen. <laughs> duet the entire Everyone tweet album. Hansi yeah, or Blind Guardian or whatever. We're gonna make this happen. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, overall, very good impression on this album. I think it's worth listening to. Um, I I have a different gripe I want to get in before we wrap up on this. Yeah. Since we're griping. Go for it. I didn't like how every song just abruptly ended. Exactly. Every song just <laughs> ended. It, it kills the flow of the album so much to have, true, like, huh? like we said, the repeated acoustic intro, and then, like, mm -hmm. riffs, slower part in the middle, riffs, abrupt end, back into that. Like, we just needed to trail <laughs> off a little like... bit. Not even on all yeah. the songs. And then you're like, oh, this is happening again. Not even okay. all the songs. On so many just, songs. Just some of them, they needed to trail off, maybe draw at the end for another five seconds on some of the songs and i think it would have made it a lot better yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so like the individual songs are all really great i'm not i'm not too big on nothing but blood that was the one that really didn't do it for me yeah i think that was probably my least favorite too so like as as an overall album it doesn't always totally work even though each of the songs are good like when i compare it back to at the expense mm -hmm. of humanity i think that one is like overall like the better album because uh, it, it flows a lot better, and I think it has maybe a touch more variety. Yeah. Whereas this one, as I think the individual songs are more in, enjoyable to listen to, and it's also you know, less depressing. But this album, uh, this album is exactly what they said it was going to be, though. Oh yeah, totally. I noticed that when we were when I was listening to it. Like, it's exactly what they described in our interview. Yeah. It is exactly <laughs> what they said, and they did say that the next album would be proggy, 
like at the expense of humanity was. Ooh, interesting. Okay. So That's who knows exciting. where we're going from here? They do. Yeah. Shout outs to our new friends, Tony and John, for making a nice album to listen to for us. <laughs> yeah, we, sh- we should get them as guests, not even just about their band, but just as like talking about shit. Let's, yeah, let's talk about random shit. That'll it'll be, it'll be a three-hour episode. But... <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just... Oh, we've never had one of those before. Just kidding. <laughs> okay, so next album review. Um, what is it again? Oh, yeah, I, I remember. It's not that forgettable. Camelot, The Shadow Theory. Uh. <laughs> Oh my god. So what ah. did, what did you all think of the Shadow Theory? It's pretty eh. I'll go it's last. Eh. Uh, it's okay. It's oh alright, I guess. It's okay. Say more. I'm gonna preface say and say that I don't like Tommy or Tommy Camelot. Why? Uh I just don't. I guess he, he sounds kinda whiny in my opinion. Do you not like it? That's okay. That that's a that's a valid uh Which is weird because I listen to pop punk and pop punk's all whiny. But that's oh, that's, that's like super that's whiny. an aesthetic. But you like know the whininess is coming. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think mm-hmm. Tommy just sounds kind of whiny. But I didn't think the album was bad. It was just like okay, really mediocre. Except for Vespertine. When Vespertine came on, I was like, "What? Why is this good song on this album?" <laughs> I was <laughs> okay. taking individual notes like for each song, and so many of them, I'm just like, "It's like another okay, boring song." Like every now and then something interesting would happen like they would have some more speed yeah. or energy or a melody that's not just like bah, exactly like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. <laughs> and like i'm i like your sound effects i'm not really that huge of a camelot fan like i just like pick and choose like usually like the more fun or energetic songs off individual albums and call it a day i basically never listened mm-hmm. to them as like full experiences and on this one even mm-hmm. the songs that i liked I didn't like as much as previous albums, even the Tommy Camelot with stuff like Haven had some songs I thought were really great on it. But even this, it's like the best song is going to be like a six or seven out of 10 to, you know, to put arbitrary numbers on it. And so many songs like they, they open up with Phantom Divine, which I thought was basically representative of the entire album where it's like, it's okay. It, it kind of picks up at some points, but for the most part, it just feels really sort of uninspired it kind of reminded me of the yeah. Serenity release from last year, where it's like, I know these guys can do good things, but this is just kind of eh. And then there are those couple of moments. <laughs> was it also written? And then there's some moments. Was this written by the Camelot interns? Like, that album was written by the Serenity interns. Except this took, like, three years instead of one, so unless... It's like, no, okay, this is what they did. They had the children in the choir at the end of Burns to Embrace write the <laughs> damn album. No. No, they oh knew that God. they wanted to have a children's choir. <laughs> But they, the kids weren't old enough yet. They had the kids picked out for the children's choir, and then they had to wait three years for them to get old enough to sing. <laughs> and they didn't actually bother writing oh, good that's... songs in those three years? Yeah. Like, and like that's I just nice. ranted about it. Burns to Embrace <laughs> was the first song on the album that I thought was interesting. It's not like super energetic, but I think the melodies were a lot more, uh, I don't know, dynamic. I'll throw a buzzword in there. Okay. So I was enjoying that one. That was the first one. And then it ends with a fucking child chorus. And it's so bad. And I'm like, why did you ruin this nice thing? It's so bad. You know, I think the reason why the child chorus is there is because it's Thomas Youngblood's kid with the vocals layered. Oh, was it? And it's like, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, uh, oh, uh, some, some, some bro who's like parent works at a big company and just gets them an internship. It's like that. So, you know, no disrespect to the kid. I'm sure he's doing the best he can. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure you're, uh, the kid is a nice <laughs> kid. Yeah. They're, I'm sure they're all he, lovely He's people. the young blood, young blood. You know. Wait, so the, the choir blood, was just the one kid? Blood. It wasn't actually a choir? It's, it's layered. That kid's voice is layered. That's a weird decision. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the executive parent getting their child an internship. And the thing is, they follow up that song with In Twilight Hours, which is just like a horribly boring ballad, and I hate it. Yeah. But luckily... That gets okay. followed up by Kevlar Skin, which is one of the better songs in the album. It actually has like guitar solos in it and a keyboard solo. And I'm like, hey, this is actually fun. Camelot can be fun when they're not just being edgy and putting weird keyboard sounds into things. So I've been holding back all of my comments. I just want to hear what y'all have to say first. I'll finish up. I, I can say a couple other but things. Go on. <laughs> uh, so after, because I, I have my individual song notes, after Kevlar Skin, the album really slumps. It's got like three songs that I just did not care for with Static, Mindfall Remedy, and Stories Unheard. And after that, Vespertine comes on, which Larry mentioned. Vespertine, it's not that great of a song, but after coming after those three really just like, yeah, songs, having something that actually has energy and guitars and melodies that are enjoyable, and they, they throw like the string uh, orchestrations in there in there too. It's just, it, it sounds 10 out of 10 in context. Oh, that's true. <laughs> At least in my mind. <laughs> Maybe it was on purpose. I haven't listened to that song by itself yet. I've only listened to it in the context of the album. Right. So it might not be as good as mm. I think. Oh my god. I'm sorry to break the illusion for you. <laughs> it was on purpose. Uh, did you listen to the bonus track? The last song, they did Proud and the Broken, which I thought was okay, and then there's that dumb outro i didn't know there was a bonus track after that no there's a bonus track on the deluxe edition that i didn't know existed did but so you didn't no, get a didn't. chance to hear it yet is it good okay no i didn't get a chance to hear it either i don't have the bonus edition i have the bonus edition on spotify it's on spotify oh so i just listened to okay all i guess songs. i clicked the wrong one so we'll, we'll leave that song as the saving the saving grace for the album Okay. You shouldn't. I want I want Darko's impression. Did you get a chance to listen to this album? I listened. Was that a sound effect? That was Larry. <laughs> I, was, I was laughing. Okay. okay. I listened to the album. I listened to it twice already. Um, and as I said before, in Spotify, I just get the bonus version, deluxe bonus thingy. It has 20 tracks. It's got That's instrumental so versions of all the tracks. Uh, 20? Jesus. It has one, two, three, four, five... Uh, six instrumental versions, uh, and then the bonus track that is "Day of Sunlight." I think that this uh, I'm gonna just to be clear. I it is the first album of from Camelot that I listen to in full as one album. I'm not a Camelot fan or just I don't really know a lot about them. I know they exist and what okay. they do, but I haven't listened to their <laughs> discography in full. So I'm just like a new listener to this. And I'm not hooked or interested. Like, if I didn't mm. know that they have already done a lot of albums and they are well regarded and everything, if you, they just, if I, this is all I knew from them, I wouldn't feel like going and checking out the rest. It feels okay. planned. 
that's a good opinion or that's a that's a if you're a good perspective to have because i am i consider myself a big camelot mm-hmm. fan i think i'm the only one in our group here and a big tommy <laughs> fan yes i'm a big tommy so we have fan a range well. of i guess camelot experiences yeah here. yeah mm-hmm. oh, no, okay I, so any other thoughts i i i wanted to mention that because i read from some people that uh they felt like it was a good album a good album but not good enough for camelot like they mm-hmm. expected more from that band. But oh, yeah. honestly, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be interested in listening more from this band if it was a new band and not Camelot. Okay. All right. So, yeah, thanks for that thought. That's really interesting, actually. Because I was wondering, like, if someone's never heard Camelot before, like, would they be hooked from this album? Because I'm coming from a biased perspective. So Camelot is a pretty well-known, um, I would say it's a power symphonic band with an emphasis on symphonic, but their early material is like pretty riff heavy. Like their first album is um, kind of a USPM style album, Eternity, but that's not what they're known for. Camelot is known for, it, it's known for like pretty driven uh, power metal sound uh, with like these beautiful vocals, very warm, very operatic from Roy Khan. And I think my favorite Camelot albums are Fourth Legacy and Karma. For any for any uh, Camelot fan listeners out there, y'all know what I'm talking about. And their most regarded um, album is Black Halo, which has a lot of like really you know driving, uh, speedy, sort of dramatic, but you know like very beautiful power metal tracks. But what I heard in the Shadow Theory was. Um, basically, Phantom Divine was a copy of Liar Liar from... It was a shitty version of Liar Liar. From, from Haven. It was copy fucking pasta in, in structure, and also it had, like, bits of sacrimony in it. It had annoying industrial sound effects, which sounds like there's a factory, like, in the background. Like, y'all think that I have hella background <laughs> noise? This album oh has hella background Shit. noise. Like, just just, just turn the motorcycles on full <laughs> blast, because that's all I fucking hear. And the only redemption is that they're really good at using choirs. But, like, we're listening to metal. I don't fucking want choirs. It's a savage for. So mad. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, like, Ravenlight, I know y'all think it probably doesn't sound anything like Fallen Star, but, like, the tempo is the same. It has, like, the same tone. I don't know. This is completely unoriginal and, like, really bland. And I think they just try to put all these futuristic, like, like, pot and pan sounds to make it industrial and, like, whatever. But I don't think it's very helpful. I'm not a fan of sound effects. You have great musicians in your band, Youngblood. I hope you don't listen to this because I'm really angry. (laughs) And this is really embarrassing. (laughs) And I'm sure you are a lovely individual. And so is the rest of the band. I'm a huge fan. I promise. But like, I don't know. Um, Use your musicians. Don't use your sound effects. Like, honestly. And I think... The only track that I liked on this album, the only track that I thought was, you know, creative, good songwriting was Burns to Embrace. It has a very strong chorus, but I still don't like the distorted guitar. 
the solo here was really good. I made a note of that. That's the only reason I remember. And it sounds like a closing track, except the children's choir just like ruins everything. So I would say that this album has 0.8 good songs. Damn. Yeah, savage. <laughs> and the, the, rest, the rest of this is like, how many ballads are on this thing? Like two-ish, like, depending on how you define it. I don't know. Whatever. Like, it doesn't it's, matter. It's bad. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it. nothing is like offensively bad to me. It's just, it just sounds so subdued. It's bland. It doesn't sound, yeah, like Camelot is known for like a very epic driving like melodic symphonic sound with like guitar with like lots of guitars and as well as orchestration and like and both Roy Khan and Tommy Karavik are like incredible vocalists and in this album Tommy was not utilized like at all I would say Camelot's very almost like theatrical in their music oh yeah that's the word that I'm looking for theatrical but I think the only part where Tommy even stands out and he uses his like chest voice that he's so good at in Seventh Wonder is the proud and the broken. And um, even then they, they try to get all experimental and they have like this blast beady, like harsh vocals part that lasted like 12 seconds. It was seconds. really awkward. I was like, ooh, ooh, we can't get too metal for all our like fucking fans Even that's copying Haven because <laughs> the last song of Haven had like this kind of heavier style to it. And they do that again here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just mm -hmm. not as well. <laughs> yeah, so again, copy pasta from Haven, like, like 13 different versions of Sacrimony. You thought Judicator's album was long? This thing is like... Like a million tracks. How many Ten. tracks are on this thing? It's not even. I don't think it's even that long. It's like, less than an hour. And it's two, but it's two instrumental tracks. Oh, I also skipped the intro and the ending because they don't yeah, mean they're, anything. They're worthless. Oh no, this is a wait. <laughs> it's thirteen inch tracks. Yeah, it's yeah, for, including the fifty-two two minutes. Fillers. 13, 13 plus the bonus. But it, I want to say, even though I listened to the whole twenty tracks things. I knew that which were the just instrumental versions. It feels long. That means it's boring. Yeah, because it just drags. Yeah, and again, I love Camelot. Uh, if you look on my last FM, I swear I listen to the Fourth Legacy like pretty regularly because I really like it. Um, so it's not that I'm just hating on a band because it's popular. Like they've made some incredible music in the past. Like. Karma is so good. You can sing along to Forever, the song, as well as Karma. And they're also really good at writing long songs. So it's not like, she just doesn't like long songs. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't recommend this album for Camelot fans. And apparently, according to like the three of you, not for new fans either. <laughs> yeah, like new fan, longtime fan, and like in the middle-ish whatever fans. Like all of us are not uh fond of this album i, I mean like i kind of yeah. like some of it like at times but i don't really feel the need to come back to any of it all the songs yeah. that i liked i could get yeah. better versions of either on haven or like i'm just gonna go listen, just listen i'm gonna to go haven listen again. to soul it's society fine. again because that's a great choice yeah i'm gonna go listen to the other albums just because you all have told me before that it's worth it listen to black halo and epica yeah, and then you'll be I think I think Epica is my favorite. Yeah, and I would I would say 
like do Karma and Fourth Legacy. So the fact that all of us are suggesting different Camelot albums to listen to means they do have a strong discography. Basically, go yeah. from the Fourth you know? Legacy up through the Black Halo. That's peak Camelot. And then, if you're a USPM fan, I would hit up Eternity. Yeah, you could check out the first three albums if yeah. you, if you really want to. Just just Eternity for for USPM fans. I think the vo- the vocalist can't sing. He's like the demon bitch guy. And cool. then he kind of learns to sing in Dominion, but the riffs. Because it wasn't Roy Khan yet at that in that first <laughs> so album, like, was eh, it? No, he was off. in Conception <laughs> yeah. at the time. Mm. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Eternity and Dominion are not Roy Khan. He was in Conception until anyway, after Siege um, Carlos came out. Uh, that is the sort of rant that we'll get when Fairyland finally releases their album, and ZF is disappointed. We'll find out. Like, I'm not like a huge Fairyland <laughs> fan, but I, I like him quite a bit. And I'm really looking forward to the next album. Or like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not huge on Fall of an Empire, but Scorch and New Beginning of Wars and Assyria are fucking great. Or like the next shitty Dragonland album. Yeah, right? I guess we'll find out. Then, uh, then we'll all go off. Please, dude, Dragonland is Dragonland is dead. I'm sorry. Like <laughs> Olaf Mark is busy rolling in the dough from Amaranth. If if I'm incorrect, please correct me, Olaf, because you're totally listening, right? I don't think Amaranth is still around. <laughs> Send us some of the dough that you're rolling in as And proof. also, like, bring back Dragonland, because that would be pretty cool. Thanks. Yeah, so that wraps it up for us. Um, I'm sure uh, Tom, Thomas Youngblood and the rest of Camelot are lovely, lovely people. <laughs> still love you. Um, don't love the album, but... I'm sure you guys are great. You gave it the college try. And I will. Did they though? And I will go see you guys in concert and I will probably still have a good time. All right. Yeah, they combined like a month sick. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So uh, thanks for listening. Um, Again, uh, look for us on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever you listen to podcasts. We are powerful podcasts. Signing off. Stay powerful. Thank you.